Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you ready to look in the Word today? The Word is the number one thing here in this church. This church is a church of the Word. We teach, we preach. We give the Word of God first place. Everyone said, so we say this with me, the Word of God is first place in my life. If you believe it, say amen. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Today, uh, I believe, if I'm able to finish this, praise God, but if I'm not, then we shall pick up next week. I want to start looking on the subject of leadership. I want to say leadership. leadership. And I want you to understand that as I start looking at the subject of leadership, I want you to understand that everyone is a leader. Okay? Everyone, everyone sitting here this morning is a leader. Okay? The first person you lead is yourself. Yeah. Fact. The first person you lead is yourself. So we're going to begin to look at leadership and then see the importance of leading ourselves. I mean, if we can lead ourselves well, then we will qualify to lead others. So the first person you lead is you. Say it with me. The first person I lead is more. It's I. <laughs> I am the I am the first person that I lead. The Bible says. The Bible says, uh, uh, "Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and what will happen? The devil will flee." A lot of people they recite B, but they don't recite A. They go straight to resist the devil, and he will flee. But it does not start out by saying, resist the devil and he will flee. It starts out by saying, submit yourself under the hand of God. Resist the devil and the devil will flee. So, if you want to have authority in leadership, you have to first submit to God's authority. So, when you submit yourself to God, that is when you can operate in leadership. And when you resist the devil, the devil will flee because you are submitted to the highest authority. Say this with me. God's authority, God's authority. is the highest authority. authority. Amen. Amen. So when you are submitted to God, that's when you can resist the devil. So why I'm saying this is because it is important that each of us must understand that we are first and foremost leading ourselves. If I cannot lead myself well, I have no business leading the next person. That is the problem. A lot of people are not taking responsibility for their own lives. They are not able to lead themselves, yet they want to lead. You can't lead others if you can't lead yourself. You can't lead others to submit to the Word of God if you are not submitting to the Word of God. Paul, writing to the church, one time rebuked them. Say, you that preaches, do you do the same thing you tell people not to do? You tell people not to do this, but do you do it? In other words, if you don't lead yourself and tie yourself and bind yourself to the word of God, you have no business telling other people to do what you don't do. It is from you first and then to other people. So we've got to be able to lead ourselves. That is why we must establish this very strongly this morning. That every single person here is a what? 
Absolutely. Everyone that is sitting here listening to me, you are a leader. And the first person you lead is you. And then God will also bring to you in your circle of influence or your sphere of influence other people that will look up to you. That is why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine before men that they might do what? See your what? Your good works and then do what? Glorify who? Your Father which is in heaven. So your light shines and you stay tasty. And then people will see the light and people will taste of you of your life and character and attitude and they want to serve God because they see the way you live your life. So when you are able to lead yourself well according to the will and the word of God, that is when people can come on board and follow you. You see that? So leadership begins with who? Absolutely with me. Don't say you. Say you. Say me. Leadership, leadership begins with you. Say you. Leadership begins with me. Say it with me. Leadership, leadership. Begins, begins with me. Begins. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading from verse number 11. I want to read from the New Living Translation. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. Can you see that? So it is not only those that are in the fivefold ministry that are leaders. As you can see, those in the fivefold ministry have a responsibility, and their responsibility is to do what? Equip. I want to say to equip. That's what it says. To equip is to build up. It means to empower. So the responsibility of those in the five-foot ministry is to empower members of the church, to empower the body of Christ, to equip them, to give them the necessary tools needed to also be strong leaders. Leadership is not exclusive to people in the five-foot ministry. Every single believer is called to be a leader. That is the reason why you've got to listen to this carefully. Pay heed to what I'm telling you. Every single person here is called by God to lead. Come on, say amen. amen. So listen, the Bible shows us here, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But these are not the only leaders in the church. Because they have been given a divine mandate to raise up members of the body of Christ into the place of leadership. So that each one in the body of Christ will shine in these last days. Say this with me. I will shine, I will shine. In, these last days. in these last days. I will not cover up my light. I will, cover up my light. I will let it shine. And men will see. And they will give God glory. If you receive a shout, hallelujah. So their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. The body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge 
of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. That we will be what? God wants us to grow up because a leader leads by example. That is one of the fundamental things about leadership. A leader is one who shows by his life, this is how to do it. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Christ, of course, is the ultimate example. And every one of us, whether you are in the ministry or not, are leaders are supposed to align our lives to the way Christ lives. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So the principles and the way Christ has laid out for us to live our lives is the way we must live our lives because that is the standard. There is no other standard. I don't care what anyone tells you. The standard is what Jesus Christ came to show us. When Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you all this time and you still haven't known the Father? Philip, don't you know that if you have seen me, you have seen who? The Father. Why? Because Jesus is the express image of the Father. And Jesus came to show us the will of the Father. He's come to show us how the Father wants us to live. That is the reason why he lived in such a way where he was very careful. He walked in such a way where he knew what he wanted to do and accomplished the things that God has sent him to earth to accomplish. And he was the light of the world when he was around. In actual fact, he said, I am the light of the world. But Jesus Christ, you and I know, is no more here physically, but he has got a representative. I say he has got a representative. His representative is his body. You and I are members of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the church and you are the body of Christ. And as members of the body of Christ, we have to exemplify and show people the life that Jesus Christ wants them to come into. Say this with me. I am a leader. I am a leader. I'm a quality leader. Come on now, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Notice it says until we come to be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, that we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Who is the head of his body? That's what I just said. Jesus is the head, right? Yeah. Say this with me. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. I am a part of the body. Amen. Amen. So who is the head of the body? The church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. Each part 
does its own special work. I want you to understand this morning that there is a special work that has been assigned to you as a part of the body of Christ. You've got something unique. You've got something different from what God gave the guy sitting beside you. Come on now, say amen. amen. And that should really help us to understand that there is no need for comparison. I am not you. You are not me. We are different. We have been gifted differently. I should not compete with you. I should complete you. Are you seeing that? So there is no room for competition. We have to be complementary. Not competitive. If everyone understands what I'm talking about right now, there will be no room at all in the body of Christ for competition. Why? Because you have your own special gifting. From who? The Lord himself. The same God who gifted you has also gifted me. And what he has gifted me with may be different from what he has gifted you with. So I'm supposed to compliment you. You are supposed to compliment me. When I say compliment, I'm talking about P-L-E, not, P-L- not P-L-I. You know what I mean, the difference? Okay, I'm supposed to compliment you. I'm supposed to complete you, if you think about it. Yes, of course, we are completing him, the Bible says, who is the head of all principality and power. I understand that. We are completing him. But when it comes to the gift things of God, we don't all have the same. As you can see the human anatomy, you can see the head is different from the hand and the feet. Is that correct? So each part of the body plays a specific role. Say this with me, I've got a specific role. That I've been called to play within the body of Christ. And I will do my part in Jesus' name. If you believe you'll do your part, then shout hallelujah. hallelujah. No, very important that each one of us will understand that we all have our responsibilities given to us by God, our roles and our duties that we must carry out, especially in these last days. Amen. Amen. Somebody came here a couple of years ago and he heard me say this. He said, there should, I said there should not be one unused member of the body of Christ. And the guy misconstrued what I said. And as we were, I think we're having a conversation on the phone. And he said, actually he wrote me this long message. And he said, you said there should not be one unused member of the body of Christ. I mean, that is true. Should there be anybody in the, in the body of Christ that is misplaced? Should there be anybody in the body of Christ that does not know that they have been called by God and given a specific responsibility to accomplish? It is like saying the eye does not know what the eye is placed on the head to do. It is like the eye trying to compete with the ears. Is the ears trying to compete with the mouth? The mouth trying to compete with the fingers. The fingers trying to compete with the toes. Each part of the body have a unique duty. And sometimes people don't value. The Bible says that people don't value the part of the body that 
looks insignificant. But I want to tell you this. The part of the body that looks insignificant will hurt badly when something terrible happens to it. You know how that small thing hurts? That small thing? Uh-huh. That small part of your body, that small part of your body that you don't even think about. You're taking care of everything else. But then there is that small part of your body that you don't think about sometimes. And, and sometimes that small part of the body is it's, it's probably one of the most important parts of your body. Are you listening to me? Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. So what, what does that mean? That means we must learn to value everybody. Learn to value everybody. Not everybody will stand behind the pulpit and preach. But it doesn't matter whether they stand behind the pulpit or not. They've been given a specific and special responsibility within the body of Christ. And we must learn to appreciate that. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Come on now, say better hallelujah. So he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God wants this church to be a healthy place. God wants us as a body to grow and be full of the love of God. Amen. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. A, a survey, you want to clap. You see, that's the thing about clapping. One person, nobody's joining them. They stop. Yeah, that's the thing about clapping. When you see somebody do this or you hear them clap, join them. Yeah, if you don't join them, after a while, you discourage them. They'll feel, okay, I'm the only one clapping. I don't want to be the odd person out. A survey was done years ago, and the survey was to discover what this particular nation needed. I'm talking about the body of Christ in this particular country, what they needed at the time. And as they had the survey, the thing that stood out was leadership. It was a leadership. I mean, think about all the stuff that people need, all the stuff that the church needs. But the thing that stood out in this particular nation was leadership. They said, we need leadership. And what does that mean? That does not mean they did not have leadership. It simply means that they did not have strong leadership. Because there is a difference between being a figurehead and a true leader. In the body of Christ. Are you listening to me? That's a difference between being a true leader and a compromised leader. That's a big difference between being a true leader and a leader who just, you know, sits there and want everybody to serve them. Because leadership is not being the boss. In the body of Christ, leadership is being the servant. Shouldn't get quiet on me right now. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. Don't be quiet now. I'm telling you. Leadership is not being the boss. Everybody run around and serve you. The body of Christ does not operate that way. Come on now. Leadership is being a servant. Remember the example that Jesus Christ, the greatest leader of all, gave to us. What was the example? He took a basin 
and he poured water into the basin. And he took a towel and he began to wash. What was he washing? What was he washing? The feet, not the hands. The feet is probably the filthiest place. Why? Because you've been walking all day. Come on now, say amen. amen. And you've got to understand back in those days, they did not have the kind of shoes that we have. Back in those days when you walked on dusty earth, your feet were dusty. Back in those days, they did not have the kind of sidewalk that we have. They, do, they did not have the kind of pavements that we have. Come on now, say amen. amen. You walked on the earth. I mean on the earth. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> you, were, you, were, you, you were walking on the earth. You had sandals. You didn't have these kind of shoes. Now with the kind of shoes we wear, we first put on our pair of socks. And then we put on our pair of shoes. And even in this day and time, you know, when some people take off their shoes. Uh-huh. When some people take off their shoes and their socks, something oozes out. How much more? Tell your neighbor how much more. How much more in the day of Jesus when they did not have these kinds of shoes that we wear today and they were walking on the earth? Dusty feet. Jesus took the feet of 12 of his disciples and he began to wash them one after the other. And he said to them, I am your master and your Lord. That's what you refer to me as. And you are right. Listen, this is what he said to them. I am your Lord and your master. You call me your Lord and your master. You are correct. He's basically saying, yes, I am indeed your master and your Lord. But I have washed your feet. You see what I've shown you? This is what I want you to do. Because if I can stoop so low, humble myself and wash your feet, that is a sign of humility. And that is a sign of true leadership. Now, I'm not saying you have to literally wash people's feet in a basin of water. But if that is what it requires, that is what must be done. Did you hear what I just told you? I'm not saying you have to literally take people's feet and wash them in basin of water. But if that is what needs to be done, that is what needs to be done. There are times that you have to literally wash people. Come on now, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Now the rate at which the churches are growing and converts are added to the church is not the rate at which quality leaders are being developed. Say the phrase, quality leaders. Now I'm not just talking about leadership, I'm talking about quality leadership. Tell your neighbor, I am, a I am a quality leader. Now, you may not believe it, but start confessing it. Amen. And you will line up to it. Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love the fruit shall eat of it thereof. So begin to confess that I am a quality leader. And as you start confessing that you are a quality leader, you begin to rise up to the place of your confession. Because I want to say this to you. You cannot go to a place you don't believe in. You cannot go beyond your confession. And your confession is determined by your faith. 
Because your words is your faith speaking. Amen. So say it one more time. I am, I am. a quality, a quality. Leader. leader. Say it like you truly mean it from the guts. I am a quality leader. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you have not started experiencing it, you will begin to experience it as you begin to say it and believe it. And you're going to begin to rise up to the place of quality leadership. Because that is the message today. The message is not just leaders or leadership. The message is quality leadership. Because when you look into the world and you study history, you will see that there has been many leaders and there are still many leaders that are corrupt. But the fact that they are corrupt does not mean they are not leaders. They are leaders of nations. Is that correct? They are leaders of peoples. And people follow them. Is that true? And they lead them into corruption and into unrighteousness. They lead them into sin. They lead them into all kinds of demonic stuff. These people are leaders. But these are not the kind of leaders we want to have in the church. In the body of Christ, we want to have quality leaders. Men and women that people can look up to. I believe the church should set the precedence. I said the church should set the precedence. The church is the light that shines in darkness. The church is the house that is built on the mountain. Come on now, say amen. Amen. The church is the light on the table, not under the table. For Jesus said, no man puts a light under the table, but on top of the table that it might give light to everyone in the room. The church is the light. And the church must shine. And you will shine. I say you're going to shine. This church will shine. The people here will shine. Amen. I believe it and I declare it over you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you receive it, then shout your best amen. amen. Hallelujah. The margin between converts and leadership is huge. Therefore, one of the biggest needs is raising quality leaders. Amen. Now, as much as this need is huge, we still need to be careful the way we go about it. Because raising up unbaked, unprepared leaders will actually cause more damage. Did you hear that? This is important. In actual fact, listen to what I'm about to say to you. I'd rather have a person that has less skills and integrity than someone with a lot of skills but no integrity. (laughs) I'd rather have somebody with no skills, less skills, but full of integrity than somebody with a lot of abilities but no integrity. You know why? Because I can work with the one that's got no skills. Because skills can be learned. Integrity cannot be learned. Integrity is the condition of your heart. Mm. 
I can apply myself. Listen, the thing about the human brain is it has the capacity to learn anything. Anything you want to learn, you can learn. Anything. You set your mind to it, you're going to do it. Anything. I don't care what it is. The human brain is limitless. The capacity, in, that's why you see the mega engineerings that you see globally. They say, listen to, the, to this, they say that the deepest part of the sea is as deep as Mount Everest is high. The deepest part of the sea is as deep as Mount Everest. Mount Everest is the highest mountain, correct? Yeah. The deepest part of the sea, basically it means if you take Mount Everest and you dip it into the deepest part of the sea, it will be swallowed. But scientists, men that have expanded their capacity in their brains, are being able to discover things even in some of the depths of the sea. Men take the risk of going down there, diving down to some of the depths of the sea that you can't even, you can, some of you can't even imagine what happens down there. So what I'm trying to say to you is the capacity in the mind of man. If you decide to learn something, listen, I'm telling you, you can learn. You can learn. Nobody here should be ignorant because the mind of man can learn. All you've got to do is apply it. Expand, exactly. The mind of man can expand. In actual fact, they say the mind is like muscles. The more you read, the more it expands. Because your mind has endless capacity. That is why some people can learn 10 languages. And then you look at them and say, oh, they are gifted. Okay, look. Okay. See, that's the thing sometimes. You just look at people that are doing well and you say it's a gift. But a lot of times people don't look at the work. You put in the work. And when you put in the work, you're going to get the results. Am I teaching right here this morning? Anybody get what I'm talking about? You set your mind to something, you can accomplish it. So that is why I want to, sh- I want to say this one more time. I would rather have somebody that does not have skills but has integrity than someone with a lot of ability and skills but has no integrity. Because integrity cannot be learned. Integrity is a condition of the heart. And until the fire of God comes into your heart, until the word of God is allowed to penetrate your heart, because it is possible to sit under the anointed word and the word will not change you. You have to allow the anointed word and the fire of the Holy Ghost come into your heart, penetrate your heart. What does Hebrews 4.12 say? The word of God is what? Powerful or it is alive or it is quick, right? And it is powerful. It is sharper than what? Any two edges sword. What does it do? Piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? Soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of where? The heart. So the only things that can actually do a work in your heart and change your heart and make your heart whole is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Let me say that again. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. 
But it is possible to sit in a place where the word is preached, the word is taught in its entirety, in its truth, no uh, not diluted or watered down. The word is preached like it should be preached. And you can sit there and the words will do nothing for you. That's why Jesus said, it is not the hearers of the word that are justified, but the doers of the word. So people can hear, but they are not justified by hearing. The Bible even tells us that Satan himself believes. Is that true? But is he saved? Is Satan saved? No. no, because you've got to not just believe, but give yourself totally to it. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. So I'd rather have somebody with integrity and no skills. And if I have to pay money to get them skilled, I'll do that. Training, education. Mentoring will help them rise up to where I want them to rise up to. But education, training, mentoring cannot change your heart unless you want your heart changed. Only the Word of God. <laughs> Only the Word of God and the Spirit of God can do that work. Amen. Come on now, say amen. Amen. God says, my son, give me your heart. Give me your where? Your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 4 says, put my word in your heart. Hide it there. Why? Because it is my word that can change the condition of your heart. How can a young man cleanse his way? By giving heed unto thy word. Thy word of I, Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word of I what? Heed in my where? heart that I might not. See. Why? Because when the word and the spirit comes, the word and the spirit will do a work in your heart and change your heart. Skills can be learned. Tell your neighbor, I can learn new skills. I can learn new skills. Absolutely, you can learn new skills. If you want to, listen to this. If you want to, maybe there are some sitting here today, you didn't even go to uh, uh, university. Don't let it bother you. Because going to university does not guarantee success. You can learn things that people in university do not even know. We're living in the 21st what? This is called the age of what? Knowledge. knowledge. Oh yeah. It is called the age of knowledge. The Bible says that in the last days, knowledge shall what? Increase. So we live in the last days. And this is the time when knowledge is increasing. Are you listening to me? That is why you buy this six months ago. And six months later, it has changed. Is that correct? Because knowledge is always increasing. And because there is a lot of information out there, each of us can apply ourselves. And be better at what we are called to do. Can someone shout hallelujah? But the state of the heart can only be dealt with by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. That's why you've got to let the Spirit of God and the Word of God come into your heart and change you. And that is the reason why we must always put God's Word above everything else in any service. We cannot put praise and worship above the preaching and the teaching of the Word. 
Testimonies not above the preaching and the teaching of the word. Can someone say amen? amen? The preaching and the teaching of the word is when we allow God and his spirit come into the hearts of people and begin to carry out the surgery that is needed. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. Amen. If you can find people with these three important requirements, you will build a great team or a great organization or a great church. Number one, faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. I said, if you can find people with these three important requirements, you will build a great team, a great organization, or a great church. Number one, faithfulness. What is faithfulness? It is firm and not changing in your support for a person or the organization. Let me say that again. What's faithfulness? You want to write it down. Faithfulness is a firm. I want to say firm. And not changing in, so, in your support for a person or the organization. So when you say somebody is faithful, you say the person is firm. The person is not changing in their support for a person or for an organization. So faithfulness is a virtue. Say it with me, faithfulness is a virtue. Faithfulness is being steadfast in affection and allegiance. Number two, loyalty. That was a loyalty. loyalty. This is deeper. Loyalty is deeper than faithfulness. Let me give you a couple of examples in the Bible of loyalty. Do you remember David and Jonathan? Jonathan was so loyal to David. Jonathan was so loyal to David, if you think about it, at his own expense. Because loyalty is deeper than faithfulness. Jonathan was the heir to the throne, but he knew there was something unique about David. True? Because Jonathan was the son of who? King Saul. So if King Saul dies, who takes over? Jonathan. But Jonathan was so loyal to David that he was willing... To step aside for David to be the king. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get it. Lo loyalty is so deep. Loyalty is Jesus Christ kneeling by the garden of Gethsemane. He was so loyal to you and I. Even though he did not want to drink the cup. He was going to drink it for your own good. That's loyalty. Loyalty is when you are so sold out to that commitment and to that relationship that you actually get to the place where your loyalty, don't get me wrong, might seem as if it hurts you. Oh. You are totally committed. You are given to this. If it means death, then you're going to die. You see, the disciples thought they were loyal to Jesus until their loyalty was tested. We... Peter said to Jesus, if everybody leave you, I won't. I will stick with you until the end of time. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. We shall see. We shall see. We shall see how loyal you are to Jesus, the one who left the glories of heaven and came down to earth to die for you. Let's see how loyal. The one who brought you from where you were to the place where he wants you to be. The one who has this amazing plan, grandiose purpose for your life. Let's see how loyal you are. Jesus Christ, if everybody leaves you, look at me, P Peter. Me, Peter, will never leave you. I will. Jesus, you can count on me. Jesus, trust me. Jesus, I'm behind you. Is that the sharp pain Jesus felt in his back? Jesus, I'm behind you. I can see how far you are from Jesus. You are so far when he turned and looked, he couldn't see you. You hear people say, I'm behind you. And you feel a sharp pain. They are truly behind you, stabbing you in the back. I'm behind you. You can see how so far behind they are. Jesus, I, 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 I give you my word. Trust me. I guarantee that if everyone leaves you, I will be there. And he began to show when, that, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he pulled out his knife. I'm going to show these people that, that I am the man. And he cut up the ear of the young man. And Jesus said, put your sword back into its place. He that lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Peter, don't you know that I can call, call on my father and he will send me? How many legion? Huh? Pardon? Huh? <laughs> I can ask my father to send me a legion of angels and they'll come here and deliver me. But I'm not going to do it because I'm loyal. I'm loyal to my father and I'm loyal to the plan and I'm loyal to the people. I will take it for them. That's loyalty. That's loyalty. That is way, way, way deeper. Way de Listen, friends who leave when the going gets tough were faithful but not loyal. Church members who leave when there is a situation, they were members, they were not disciples. Jesus did not say in Matthew 28, verse, from verse 18, go into the world and make church members. No. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He never said, go and make members. Because members... So I, I would not desert you, Jesus. And then when Peter, notice how Peter began to walk from way in the back distance to protect himself. And as he sees Jesus being beaten at the whipping post, Peter began to panic. And somebody walked up to him and said, I know you. 
you, 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 you are one, you are one, you are one of the disciples of the Nazarene. You are one of his disciples. He said, no, 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 I, I don't know him. What? I thought you were just telling Jesus that you will be with him all the way. And then someone else comes to him. Oh, no, no, no. You, I know you certainly. I know you, you, you. You, I've seen you with, the, with Jesus. No, no, no. I've not, I don't know Jesus. In actual fact, I've never, I've never met him before. Oh, yeah. That is what disloyal people do. I've, n- I've never met this man. I don't know who he is. And then a little girl. To make matters worse, a little girl came to him and said, you, nah, you, I've seen you before. You are one of his. You know what the Bible says? The Bible said, Peter began to curse. Ah, I thought this guy's a Christian. Well, <laughs> the guy began to curse. He began to swear. But Jesus' loyalty was revealed as he knelt there in the garden of Gethsemane, the garden of crushing. And he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. I want us to see a few scriptures here. Look at John chapter 15. Verse number 13, John 15, 13. It says, you can listen. Maybe you don't have to turn the bus. Just listen. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's loyalty. Loyalty is when you lay down your life for someone else. That's loyalty. I like the way it is rendered in the Passion Translation. John 15, 13. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. That's loyalty. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Hebrews 12, 2. Look at this. Look at this. Hebrews 12, 2. Just listen. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto who? The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy. Say this. I am the joy. Say it. I am the joy. That was set before him. So looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy. That was set before him. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we can see that this is referring to the price that Jesus Christ paid. Greater love hath no one than this love, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy, who was the joy? 
You were the joy. I was the joy. Who for the joy set before him. So when Jesus Christ was in the garden of Gethsemane, as he was about to give up drinking this cup of misery, Jesus Christ looked at the joy that was set before him, and he said to himself, I will do it. He said, Father, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. And the will of the Father was that he would pay the ultimate price so that you and I will be saved today. Can someone give Jesus the praise and the glory? Hallelujah. So when you have people that are, that are faithful, faithfulness is great. But it is important to take your commitment to another level. Loyalty. Loyalty. You see, all the disciples that Jesus had ran. They left. Only one stayed with him all the way. Who was that? Who was that? John the Beloved. You know why John could stay? He was the Beloved. You know why he was the Beloved? Because he understood love. The Bible says that he was the one that would lean on Jesus' breast. He was the one that they asked, who is he referring to when he said, one of you will betray me? They said, ask him. Because he was so close, he was totally, completely loyal to Jesus. And of all the apostles, he was the only one that died by means of natural death. Or natural cause. The others were killed. And I'm not saying they were killed because they were not loyal. But they, they eventually became loyal. But there was just something about John. Can someone say amen? amen. There was something about John. Praise God. Amen. Amongst the twelve, there was a John. But amongst the twelve, there was a Judas. Yeah. Now, listen. Well, listen. Don't get this wrong. It, listen, even with Judas. Do you know that before Jesus chose his disciples, he fasted and prayed? So Jesus did not just, hey, you come, you come, you come. No, Jesus spent some time praying and fasting, and he chose those that he saw in the Spirit. Guess one of them was Judas. Do you think Jesus knew Judas was stealing his money? The man was a thief. He was taking from the treasury of Jesus Christ, and he was using it for his personal needs. Not one time did Jesus point it out. If you will be a leader, you must be full of grace. Grace is not foolishness. Grace is not stupidity. But your grace should be so much that if Judas continues to be Judas, he will self-destruct, destroy himself. It is not your place to destroy him. Jesus did not. Not once did he say one thing about it. He let him do whatever he, he wanted to do. He knew he was stealing. Not once did he say, hey man, why are you stealing my money? <laughs> Keep stealing. You're going to self-destruct. The leader who operates at this level can never go down. The anointing continues to increase. The grace continues to increase. And what the pressing does, does not affect you. Because you are not building a castle, you are building the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. 
So you don't take it personally. One of the things in ministry, in leadership, never take it personally. It is not you. Just like I can't touch the glory when God uses me to heal a cancer patient, I cannot touch the criticism when people criticize me. The moment you start touching the glory and start touching the criticisms, then you have taken the place of God. The criticisms and the glory does not belong to you. Lord, I give you the glory. Lord, I give you the criticisms. Because I am your representative. Oh, you think I'm representing myself? Absolutely not. This is not my private company. This is the house of the living God. I said, this is not my private company. This is the house of the living God. Now, if you come attack my wife or my family, you will see me. But if you, listen, I'm telling you right now, with with the work of God, nothing personal. Not in person. The Lord began to say to me, I believe strongly, and I say the Lord, I believe strongly. I don't use words like that loosely. I believe the Lord began to say to me, God will stop running after people. I've run after people for years. Just relax. Chill. Relax. The church is the Lord's church. The church, the people belong to him. Relax. I'm for follow up. Oh, many of you sitting here, you know how much I spent with you, how much time I've spent with you. But I was going to the office a few months ago, and I kind of heard the Lord say to me, relax. Stop running after people. Because as a pastor, you want to run after people. You want to help them. You want to make sure that they are fine. You're calling on the phone. You're hanging out with them. You want to visit them. You want to spend time. And I just felt the Lord say, relax. Tell your neighbor, relax. I had, to be honest with you, I had to relax. Praise the Lord. Because there are things you cannot accomplish in people's lives. You can take a donkey to the stream. You cannot force it to drink. Anybody getting anything from today? So the third thing I want you to see, if people have this in their lives, in your industry, organization, your leadership, you will, that place will grow. Number three, when they are being selfless. Being selfless is committing yourself to the vision of the house, even if you are not the visionary. Should I say that again? Being selfless Is committing yourself to the vision of the house wholeheartedly, even though you are not the visionary. In other words, you own it as yours. Are you listening to me? You own it as yours. Well, you own it as yours. See, a lot of people are not selfless. And that is the reason, that's what I've seen a lot of times, even in the, you know, I don't like to... When I teach or preach on the church, I don't like to use demographies, but sometimes you just have to. The African churches. So I, I say that, but you know, I don't like to say stuff like that. I don't say Turkish church, African church, French church, Congolese. I don't believe in all that stuff. The Bible says, from now henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Is that correct? But, but, but I want to borrow that just to say this. It's a problem. It's a problem in 
the, in, in many of the African churches because unbaked people are put in leadership. People that are self-centered are put in leadership. And that is why, that's why they have all kinds of church splits. You go to this street, there are 10 churches in one street. There are five churches in one building. Are you listening to me? We must be very careful in giving titles to people. Especially when you, especially, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Especially when you notice that they are insecure. A friend of mine called me and said, Pastor God, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, let's hang out. We met and we were meeting and he said to me, I, I want to start church, da, 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 da. And what's your advice? I gave him, I gave him, I don't remember all the stuff that I told him, but I remember this one thing I told him. I said, when you start this church, don't be quick in giving titles. What did I say? Don't be quick in giving titles to people. Did he listen to me? Good friend of mine. said, don't be quick. Do it slowly. Time has a way of exposing things. Don't be quick. No, he didn't do it like I told him. I guess it was one year into the church. Two years into the church. You are this. You are that. You start. Sorry. I'm sorry. I just have to. You start anointing people. And setting them apart for ministry. Paul said to Timothy, don't be quick in laying your hands on people to ordain them into leadership. You started the book of 1 Timothy, started the book of uh, uh, Titus, because these were two spiritual sons of Paul the Apostle. And you come up with a comprehensive list of the requirements that Paul gave to his spiritual sons. The things required to be in leadership. The things required to be in leadership. Listen to me. If you do a comprehensive list and you, you, like, you write them all down, there are many. Only one of the requirements deals with ability. Everyone say ability. Only one of the only one on the list, especially the one reaching to Timothy, only one deals with ability. Everyone's ability. ability. The rest deals with integrity. You know what that one is? The one that deals with ability? He says the person that will be in leadership must be able to teach, apt to teach. That's the only one that speaks of ability. Because some people are able to teach. I can put people behind you and teach. But it's not the ability to teach. The Bible actually says those that preach and teach are going to be judged double. <laughs> so it's not just ability. It's integrity. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Come on now. Somebody say amen. amen. So... You begin to, so, so he 
put a lot of guys on the leadership. And guess what? They began to fight him. I kid you not. They began to fight him. They still today. He said to me, Pastor, you told me. Yes, I, you know, sometimes you just feel like I told, telling people I told you. See, if you, if you notice, and I've said it before, but many of you have not heard this. Some of you are new. Hear it again. The church is the only institution in the world that doles out positions and titles to unqualified people. Only the church. Only the church. Dole it out. Give it. Put a big tag. On their breast. You are what? What are you? You are. So you are known by your title. But my Bible says you shall be known by your fruit. Amen. Not by your titles. Amen. By your fruit. Amen. The church is the only institution. I've looked around. I've done it. I, listen. Listen. I've looked around. I've looked around. The aviation industry. Will not do that. You get on the plane and the, the uh, announcer begins to tell you that the, the, the pilot and the co-pilot are flying this plane for the first time. In actual fact, they don't have any experience in flying. This is, in actual fact, we are testing them today. <laughs> to, see, <laughs> to see how they will fly this Boeing 747. Uh, and so everyone, buckle your seatbelt. Because we are about not just to take off, but to have an adventure. How many of you will run out of that plane? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody here would stay on that plane. The, the aviation industry will never do that. That is why when you look at the cockpit, they have a pilot and they have an experienced senior pilot with thousands of hours of flight. And in some cases like the Swiss Airlines, they have three pilots. Three pilots in the Swiss Airlines. In the cockpit. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? So the aviation industry. Oh, let's talk about the medical field. The medical industry. The person is lying on the surgery operation table. And they say... Um, They say, this guy is a student doctor. He has never... The last thing he cut open was a rat. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the last thing he cut open was a rat when he was doing his, his study in the lab. And, you know, he had to dissect the frog or the lizard. That's the last thing the guy cut open. And so, uh, in actual fact, here's what we're going to do. You that's on, on the... Before we... Apply the anesthesia on you. Let us just let you know. When you are fast asleep, this guy is going to cut you open. And this is a major surgery. And so if you come back to the earth, <laughs> praise God. But if you haven't written your will, write it right now. Because we are not sure how many of you will stay on that operation table. 
Nobody will. Nobody will. So why is it that we understand this? It's common sense. The secular industries understand this. The institutions understand this. But why is it that the church does not? Why? Why is it that? And that is the reason why several things have happened in the church that have put, left a bad taste in people's mouths. It is time for the church to set the precedence and raise the standard. If you believe what I'm teaching, say amen. amen. Can someone say amen? amen? So as a result, we now have poorly led churches. We now have compromise, compromise in leadership. Church splits due to selfish ambitions. Unrighteousness perpetrated. Ministers that cut corners to make money. I'm preaching on some holiness this morning. Say amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, it's time to raise the standards. Amen. amen. And why should we teach this? We should teach this because we must raise quality leaders in this place. I started out by saying everyone here is a leader. You don't have to stand behind the pulpit. You don't have to lead a conglomerate before you consider yourself a leader. You are a leader because first and foremost, you lead yourself. If you can make the right choices about your own personal life, if you can make the right choices about your own personal finance, if you can make the right choices about your own personal marriage relationships, if you can make the right choice about the right time to wake up, Because sometimes people sleep all day long and wonder why they don't have any money in their pocket. The Bible says God will bless. Not the seat of your pants. The work of your hands. In other words, you've got to put your hand to work. The Bible says, see a man that is diligent at what he does. The man shall stand before kings, not before ordinary men. Can someone shout hallelujah? So if you can begin to take responsibility for your own personal life, you can begin to step up in leadership where God brings to you your, in, into your, your sphere or your circle of influence, people for you to lead. Because if you can't lead yourself, you obviously cannot lead somebody else. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So in the area of finance, as we round up this message, it is time for you to take responsibility for your finance. And there are several things I can talk about here with finance, but just the basics. Bring your tithes and offerings into my storehouse and prove me now in this, saith the Lord, if I will not open unto you the floodgates of heaven. In your translation, it might say the windows, but really it's the right word is the floodgates. The floodgates of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing so much you will not even have room enough to receive it. And all the nations shall call you blessed. Yeah. For you shall be a land of delight, saith the Lord. Amen. That is number one. Your offerings above your tithe. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall men give unto you. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. Will always have an abundance for every good work. Can someone say amen? amen. Come on say amen. amen. So take responsibility right now. For your own personal finance, for your own personal life, for your marriage. 
I can talk about marriage from here from now to tomorrow, but I don't have all the time. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ also did what? Love the church. So the way a man loves his wife is not the way you see on TV. It's not what is on social media. Amen. Amen. Some of those things on social media is fake. It's a facade. It's a smoke screen. That's not the way. A man loves his wife the way Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do because he loved the church? He gave himself for the church. So the man, the husband is to sacrifice. Got very quiet in this very Pentecostal, Pentecostal church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Parents, train up your children the way they should go. When they are old, they shall not depart from it. Come on, say amen. amen. Provide for them. Do what it takes to put food on the table for your kids. Can't be sleeping all day long and expect your kids to go out and work and bring the money. Especially men. Men, the Bible says a man who doesn't work shouldn't eat. Don't stay at home and say, honey, go and work. Bring money. No, you get up and go and work and you put food on the table. You believe what I'm preaching? Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to end here. I'm supposed to finish at 12 anyway. So I've got 10 minutes of 12, so I'm finishing. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, in the marvelous name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for you are raising up strong leaders in this place. And Lord, as your word has shown to us that you want men and women that are faithful, that are loyal, and that are selfless. And so, Father, we ask, O oh God, that we are here in this church, in this place, and we want to say we are faithful, we are loyal, and we are selfless. Use us for your glory. Raise us up. Use us. Empower each person today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shout hallelujah. hallelujah.